And I've heard it complained that like when you read the Bible this way, it seems rigid and you're just telling me that the Bible just means one thing and can't mean anything different. And it seems like you're limiting what God can say to us. I find the opposite to be true. When, when we open the Bible and people just say, well, well just, this is what it means to me. And so it, and it's, you just kind of think, well, that doesn't really correspond with what Scripture says. Like, and then everyone kind of just has their own opinion of what it means and what they think it means. Whatever. To me, I find that pointless. But when you look at Scripture this way, it actually makes it come to life. It's, wow, this is actually what God intended. This is actually what God is saying in his word. And it becomes exciting because it's become, then becomes applicable. You can read a book like Numbers, <laughs> chapters 1 through 10, and think, this doesn't mean anything to me. But if you look into it, it's like, wow, this is actually where it says all scripture is inspired by God and is profitable. for. You're able to say, okay, I know God's word is living and active. There's something here for me to find. And what is it? So I find it a lot more exciting to look at scripture this way um so we want to practice um what time do we get someone got a clock that i want to make sure 2 30 okay so let's practice you got a phone or a bible let's turn to joshua chapter one verse one through nine And if you're not <clears throat> sure necessarily of some of the the answers or the questions or whatever, but this is what we're doing. We're just opening up a passage of scripture, and we're going to cross this bridge together. <clears throat> so, it says in chapter 1, verse 1, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon I have given to you, as I said to Moses. From the wilderness in this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, and all the land of the Hittites, and to the great sea towards the going down of the sun, shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage, for to this place you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, that you may observe to do all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success." Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage, do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. <clears throat> so, if you ask the question, who's the audience? Who's being spoken to there? Joshua. Joshua's the audience. Now, broadly speaking, it, you could say it's whoever's reading this, but he's the one who's being spoken to in that passage. Who's the one doing the speaking? God. God is having a conversation with Joshua. Now, <clears throat> what is the specific meaning? What is God telling Joshua in this passage? Moses is dead. 
So that, that's a, I mean, that's a good thing to recognize. Where in biblical history does this fall? Right after the death of Moses, God's, God's reiterating a promise he gave to the people of Israel and to Abraham specifically. But I'm going to give you this land. I've promised it. This is what you're about to do in biblical history. This is where they're at. They're about to cross over the Jordan River and go into the promised land and start destroying people and taking over the land. So that's where we're at in history. God's saying, you're about ready to take care, of, take possession of this promise. <clears throat> yeah, what else is going on? Uh, God's telling them, you know, that God's going to be with them no matter what. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And no one will be able to stand against you. <coughs> it said, uh, be strong and have courage because you feed these people to inherit the land. Yeah. So God's... God's reassuring him. God's saying, hey, listen, I'm going with you. He's reiterating in, in, in their relationship, that start their relation as a leader and as a nation and as a God and a people. It started at Mount Sinai 40 years earlier with Moses going up the mountain. And God's saying, hey, listen, I've got certain responsibilities in this covenant. One of them is I'm going to keep my side of the covenant. I'm going to go with you. I told you I'll bring you into this land. So... I'll go with you. I'm not staying on this side of the Jordan. I'll go in there with you. He also says to keep the book of the law and your lips and meditate on it day and night. Mm-hmm. So God says, listen, there's certain, that's the other side of the covenant. The book of the laws, what we've read at the end of Exodus, Ten Commandments, the book of Leviticus, some of the stuff in Numbers, this book of the law, this thing that you've been told, you remember it, keep it on your lips, Keep reciting it. Like, don't forget your end of the bargain. God's saying, I'll keep my end of the bargain, which is I'll go with you and I'll fight for you, but you remember the covenant. <clears throat> so this is what God's telling him. Now, when you cross, when you look at the river, what are the major differences? Well, I'm not Joshua. That's a major difference. <laughs> I'm not leading a nation. That's a pretty big difference. We're not under that Old Testament co- old covenant. That's true. Um, I'm not looking to kill anybody and conquer any kind of a land. That's a big major difference. So, 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 so this is the part and the thing that's like, okay, well, what things are keeping me from just saying, okay, God told jo- Joshua, go in there and conquer this land. I'm going to go in and conquer the land. It's like, well, understanding there is no land for me to conquer. That's a big difference, you know. There's, <laughs> so, um, so that's a major difference. Now, yeah, so when you cross the bridge, this is where you pull, I mean, major difference too, we are talking about we're not under that covenant. So when you're looking for a principle, you want to pull a principle out of that. What's, what's a principle that's in keeping with God, what God is telling Joshua that is universal? Do not be afraid, be strong and courageous. Things like, you know, the Lord's going to be with you wherever you go. Whatever you're doing is, he's going to be there. You know, yeah. Whatever it is that you're doing. Right. Yeah, yeah and the, in, in, in what God is telling Joshua, he's saying, I'm keeping my end of the bargain. You keep your end of the bargain. And you don't need to be afraid. Go in there and do that. Yeah, <laughs> you got to say God's word is true and I trust you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Crossing the Jordan River and going and doing it. That is a step of faith. God's saying, he's reiterating, 
This is what I have promised. So do it and do it bravely. Do it courageously. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> yeah. Reading the history of the Old Testament shows us the character of God. Mm -hmm. And that gives us insight into the New Testament, knowing his character. Like, uh, if, if you knew a company wasn't reputable, right. you wouldn't buy stuff or deal with that company. Right. But if you know a company is, is totally reputable, they stand by whatever it is, right. you know that they're good. I mean, we, we got stories of his truth in the Old Testament and his reputability. Mm -hmm. And we see that it gives us a strong foundation yeah. in the new cup. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's even, you know, and that's a, that's a really good example, Don, because that shows like when we were looking at that one principle, it's like, all right, go and do what God's calling you to do and be strong and courageous. There's another principle in it is know what God wants you to do. That's, you know, read the law, keep it on your lips. Now, once, if we broaden that out, I mean, we can read the law all day long and that's not probably going to tell us what we need to do, but uh, the law and the Torah and the commands of God, if you want to broadly interpret that as just God's word, because that's all that, remember, at this point in human history, this is all that was written. None of this existed. So understand the law, know it, know God's word. How can you be brave and courageous and do the thing God wants you to do if you've never read it and you don't even know what he wants you to do? And so you read and you learn the character of God. <clears throat> yeah, so, and then you cross over that bridge, you pull a universal principle out like that, that's in keeping with scripture, that's in keeping with the passage, what we just talked about, I need to know the law. I need to know what God commands and what God has said. And I need to know that I need to do it courageously and bravely. If you take that universal principle and say, would Joshua have walked away with that same principle based on what God said? If the answer is, yeah, he would have. Like, that's something Joshua would have. Then you know, okay, I can safely cross that bridge, so to speak, and then now put it into my own context. So if anyone, I mean, this is kind of on the spot, maybe we just have only been thinking about it for five minutes, but if you were to take that universal principle and apply it to your life right now, what might that look like? And remember, there's, I don't want to say there's no right or wrong answer, because remember, a right answer is any application that corresponds with the principles that we just named. But there's so many different answers, there's not any wrong answer in the sense of, if Nick says, well, you know, 401 is closed down, and that's kind of, you know, maybe financially unnerving because I'm not making money from that or whatever. Whatever application he might take that and apply it to his situation, it's not going to be wrong. It's going to be different than TJ's because TJ doesn't work at 401 and currently unemployed from there or whatever, you know, later. I, I don't know if this is the correct way to look at it or not because I'm still learning this mm -hmm. now. Um, but, like, when it says, you know... Um, do not turn from it to the right, to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. And then it says, keep the book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Um, I kind of look at that like, you know, I don't want to turn to the left. I don't want to turn to the right. Like I want to be focused on the word of God. Yeah. And I want to meditate on it day and night. You know, like yeah. that applies to what, I'm doing right now. Right. You know, is that yeah, no, that's, <laughs> and, and that's another one altogether too. Like yeah. a, a universal principle is, okay, we need to 
steadfastly focus on God's word. Like it's not, you know, mm -hmm. daily have it be on your lips and be thinking about it. So, mm -hmm. um, so yeah, you could say broadly, whatever it is that you're doing, you know, if you're speaking to a broad group of people, I might not be able to speak directly to Nick, but I can say, listen, whatever it is that you're doing, you need to be factoring in that time for God's word. And um, what I challenged uh, this past Friday, we were looking at the Good Shepherd and understanding that if we're sheep and we're supposed to follow the Good Shepherd and listen to his voice, you can then ask the question, and people do ask the question, well, how, how much do I have to really listen to his voice? You know, do I got to daily seek his voice and, you know, every day or multiple times a day be praying and seeking God's voice and listening to him? Do I have to? I mean, what's the right answer? I don't know that there is a right answer, but if you understand that I'm a sheep, he's a shepherd, and he wants what's good for me, and you really understand what it means to be a sheep and what Jesus is implying that we need a shepherd, then the question becomes, how much do I really want to navigate through life not listening to the shepherd if I'm truly a sheep? So yeah, with this passage, it's, you know, if God's telling Joshua, you need to study my law daily and make sure you know it. Again, you're not out conquering any land, but you could say, well, listen, if it was important for Joshua to every day know what it is that God wanted. How much more for me? Uh, you know, <clears throat> so that's good. Phil, definitely the idea of confidence that God's going to come through, and in this case, deliver on helping conquer the land. You know, just you know, most you know, last night we smoked a deer pretty good, um, and uh, not in a cooking type of way. <laughs> just, I don't know if you could smoke venison. Or, you probably you could know, smoke venison. And, right? uh, you know. Like, well, crap. <laughs> <laughs> now the other car is is not really drivable. Yeah. You know, and like, you know, just as we got back from, you know, our friend gave us a ride to church today. Mm -hmm. As we got back, Nick calls me, not that one, um, and uh, it's like, hey, God told me you needed some money. <laughs> I was like, now it didn't cover all of it, but it's still like, well, yeah, we do. So, <laughs> you know, it's, yeah, it's just having that confidence yeah. that despite, because conquering a land sounds hard, but it doesn't yeah. sound like an easy thing to do. Yeah. You know, I've never done that before, but. Well, that's also part of the historical context is remember they, they've been walking around in the desert for 40 years yeah. at this point. And there was no reason for them to walk around in the desert for 40 years. It wasn't that long of a hike from Egypt to the promised land. I mean, it's more than probably a week on foot with a couple million people, but it's not a 40-year trip. They're walking for 40 years because they sent in some people, and Joshua was one of them. And 10 of them said, this is too difficult. We can't do this. And Joshua was one of the people saying, no, God's with us. We can do this. Joshua and Caleb were the two. And because the people of Israel disbelieved and they followed the 10, God said, well, then fine, none of you guys are going in. You're all going to drop dead here in the wilderness. The only people who are going in are people, Joshua and Caleb, and the people who are under 20 years of age. Um, it's a pretty harsh sentence, but that's why they're walking around for 40 years. They, and they actually, my memory serves me, they actually try to say, no, we're just going to go in and do it. And they go in and they get wasted. And, and <laughs> so 
Um, but now God's telling him, go in. Like, yes, it's going to be hard. Like, and they didn't say, Joshua wasn't delusional and thinking, this is a hard, impossible task. What he said was, God's with us. Like, he's told us he's going to give us this land. So, yeah, we're not conquering lands, but God asked us to do impossible things. I mean, when you think of evangelism, spreading the gospel, discipling people, when Jesus said how impossible that that is, his disciples said, well, then who can be saved? This is an impossible task. And Jesus said, well, with man, it is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. <clears throat> so, yeah, it does come down to what is, what is it that God is asking of me? Now, where we fall into trouble is sometimes we subjectively think God might be calling us to do things that he may not be. So if TJ and Helena were, for instance, saying, we're going to build up swift windshield repair and that's our land that we're going to conquer and by golly, we're going to do it and be successful. Maybe, but that might not be what God has for you and you can't bank on God's uh, backing on something that he might be like, yeah, sure, let's go ahead and do it. But James, <coughs> today I'll go into this town and do this business. And then you yeah, you need to consult with God. You don't even know if you're going to be alive tomorrow. You know, so yeah. Um, sometimes we attribute what God wants us to do with something that He might be like, that's a fine thing, but I'm not necessarily not giving any promises on that. <laughs> Because a lot of the things that we do require other people's free will. You know, <laughs> you can't be successful in your business if other people don't call you and watch your business. You know, so unless we're really going to suggest God's going to start manipulating people's free will to go only to Swift instead of Hodge Glass or anything, which maybe you will, I don't know. But, but we can know, and it requires daily being, talking to the shepherd and saying, God, what really is it that you want me to do? And then if we know this is something that God has me to do, to do then we can claim a promise like that's in joshua <clears throat> so um let's continue on context is king this is important if we read galatians chapter five and i mean we just read it this week but i don't remember anything specific that was in galatians five that jumps out to me but when you read galatians five if you want to know well what is he saying in five thirteen? i don't really understand what this word means or the question is, okay, how is, what, what's in the immediate context? What's in the rest of Galatians chapter 5? Maybe that'll give me a hint. And then we might have to branch out to the rest of Galatians. All right, well, if Paul's talking about the law or, or as a guardian or whatever, like what, what's really he talking about? You branch out in the rest of Galatians and you realize, oh, he's talking about the Mosaic law. That's what he's talking about. <clears throat> and then you branch out further. You might have to look at Paul's other letters. How else did Paul talk about the law of Moses? What was his relationship with it? Oh, well, here in Romans, he says we've died to the law in Romans chapter 7. So maybe that has something to do with what he means in Galatians when he says we're now no longer under the tutor, which is the law. So I can kind of start to understand Paul's thinking. We might have to then branch out to... Connection lost. I might start freaking out again. Right, we're connected. Okay. We might have to branch out to the other New Testament epistles to get out. See how we're further broadening out our our circle of context and this is important we're going to spend a week talking about certain errors that we 
engage in when we try to practice hermeneutics. And one of them is that words mean different things. And people, different people use different words different ways. So this really becomes apparent, and we'll use it as an example. If I'm looking at what does Paul mean when he talks about being justified? We look at all of Paul's letters. What does he mean by the word justified? We may find that if we go to the book of James, James may use the word justified, and he might not mean what Paul means. So we have to understand that that's a hermeneutical error that we can fall into. If Jesus says, you know, your faith has saved you, and we think, well, what he's meaning is they're now not going to hell. Maybe, but a lot of times what he means is your faith has made you well, which is another meaning for the word sozo. So we have to understand that, yeah, being saved might mean different things sometimes. But we want to circle it, and then we continue on, maybe, to the rest of Scripture. What is the rest of Scripture saying? So we're putting Galatians 5, or a verse in Galatians 5, within that context of all that. So, um, an understanding genre too. Narrative, for instance, if I was to read in Genesis 34, 25, in three days when they were still in pain, two of Jacob's sons, Simeon and Levi, Dinah's brothers, each took his sword and went to the unsuspecting city and slaughtered every male. So, I mean, we read this several months ago, but what was the context here? Dinah gets raped by some people. I can't remember what tribe they're from, but it's like some foreign, maybe, I don't know what they were. But anyway, some foreign people. And her brothers, Simeon and Levi, hatch a plan and they say, listen, you raped our sister. Now you got to marry her, but you can't marry her because you're uncircumcised and all your people are uncircumcised. So what you need to do is all your males need to be circumcised and then you can marry our sister. So they do it, obviously incapacitated for a few days, and it's in that time that Simeon and Levi go in and just kill everybody. Now, when we understand that we're reading narrative, we have to understand we're reading what happened. Not necessarily what God wanted to happen. We're just reading what happened. So we have to understand that when we read narrative, we sometimes have to be discerning. Did God really approve of what they did here? If you read further in the narrative, it's clear he didn't. But... Sometimes we have to understand, just because I'm reading what happened doesn't mean that that's necessarily what God wants to happen. Mm-hmm. Prophecy. Prophecy reads very different than other passages of Scripture. <clears throat> Revelation 6, I looked on the, and when the Lamb opened one of the seven seals, I heard one of the four living creatures saying with a thunderous voice, Come. So I looked, and here came a white horse. The one who rode it had a bow, and he was given a crown, and as a conqueror, he rode out to conquer. This is a book of prophecy. We have to understand that while John is talking about something that is is a literal truth, it is real, he's using symbolic language. I don't think that when this happens in the future, we're really going to see a guy riding out with a white horse. This is not, He's not talking about Jesus here, but riding on a white horse with a crown and a bow in his hand. So you kind of have to ask, okay, well, what, is he re- what is he saying? He's, and people say, well, it's just someone going out conquering as a ruler, and maybe peacefully because he's got a bow, but he's not killing people with it. So you kind of have to ask questions, but understand that um, uh, legal, I don't, we've read enough legal stuff in Scripture, Leviticus, Numbers, all that kind of stuff, things like legal codes and stuff. 
those read very differently than everything else. You really got to bunker down to read those. But poetry, stuff like the Psalms. With a strong hand and an outstretched arm for his loving kindness is everlasting. We have to understand, if you read that literally, are we really suggesting that God, who is a spirit, has arms and hands? He's a spirit. He doesn't have, this is called anthropomorphism, attributing human characteristics to God. Um, so we understand, what it's really saying is God is powerful. He's got a powerful right arm and a, a long, stretched out arm. Um, and then epistles also read very differently. Like the opening to Galatians, from Paul, an apostle, and all the brothers with me to the churches of Galatia. You're reading a letter when you open up an epistle. It's not necessarily a narrative. It's not poetry. And this becomes important, too, because Paul can use metaphorical and symbolic language, just like we could in writing a letter. When Paul says something like, hey, all these people who are advocating circumcision, I wish that they would just castrate themselves. He says that in his epistle. I mean, that's hyperbole. I mean, Paul's not really advocating that this is what we should wish on people, but he's saying, like, listen, like I, it's, it's, it's bad. So just understanding that that's how people write. So any thoughts, questions before we close out? Well, Faith and Focus is a ministry of in faith. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast don't necessarily reflect the views and opinions of in faith as a mission. If you like what you heard on this episode, why don't you become a monthly supporter of the ministry? It really helps me out $10 a month or whatever the Lord lays on your heart. So if you're interested in becoming a partner, uh, you can text the word discipleship to 41444 or head over to infaith.org backslash Dennis-Sotherby. And if you have any questions or topics that you would like me to address on a future episode of Faith and Focus, why don't you shoot me an email? You can email me at dennissotherby at infaith.org. Just put in the subject line, question for Faith and Focus or something like that. Uh, so I can see it, know that it's from you, and know that it's an issue that you'd like me to address. 